Hey, it's Sunshine's Kirsty and Dan. And this is the part that you were telling all of your friends about and are trying to share with them. So here it is right now. We are very excited this morning, Kirsty, aren't we? Mm, We're very excited so because we are talking to singer, songwriter, musician, international man of mystery. You might even know some of the songs he's been behind. Have you ever heard of Haven't Met You Yet? Oh, You maybe. ever heard of Everything? Maybe. Home? Maybe just recently, actually. Yeah, well, that's yes. true. That's right. Well, the man behind some of Michael Bublé's biggest hits, and now after nearly two decades, he's taken center stage with his own solo project, and we are delighted to be joined all the way from LA right now. It is the one and only Alan Chang. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, good evening, should we say. Yes. What time is it over yeah, in LA right. at the moment? I'm in my pajamas. I, I just recently had a, had a baby, so bedtime is really only hours away. Oh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> for Amen. a couple of hours anyway, for a couple of hours. Yes. Oh, Alan, it's such a pleasure having you on the show. Now, just want to know, give us a bit of a background about your, your story. Like, you know, was there music in the family? Like, how did you come to be the musical director for one of the world's biggest acts? You know, um, music wasn't a huge part of my family. So my, my parents are just good at exposing me to whatever they couldn't think of. And so as a good Asian boy, they signed me up for piano lessons when I was six years old. <laughs> And then it was really the middle school that I, junior high that I went to that exposed me to the big band era and George Gershwin and more of the American songbook and jazz standards. And from there, that was sort of the, um, you know, like the, the gateway drug to, that got me into Miles Davis and Charlie Parker and to all that, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So cool. Super cool. And then so from there, what was the connection? How, how, did, how did you end up with Michael? I went to university in LA. I was a jazz studies major and I played a friend's senior recital, small room, small classroom of 25 people in the audience. And there was someone from the record label that Michael was at that re- that remembered me about a year later. And he said, um, hey, we, we, we got this uh, new singer coming out. You should audition for him. He's really great. I wrote down nothing except Michael Singer. <laughs> and I said, hi, I'm calling about a, an audition for a singer named Michael. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was 23. And yeah, it was just sort of a, a random audition and Michael wanted somebody else and um, that person was too busy. And luckily I was very heavily underemployed <laughs> and I had, the, I had the first week free of gigs and, um, you know, kind of started with that. Bam. Wow. And then 20 years later, like what a, what a relationship and what an amazing journey for you. And now you are forging your own path and doing whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was incredible. And Michael was... Very loyal. He could have gotten rid of me at any point as his career grew bigger and bigger. You know, he could have, um, yeah, he just could have gotten someone yeah. with more experience. I mean, I was the youngest in the band and the, you know, the musical director of the band. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm always, I'll always be grateful to him for keeping me on when he could have let me go. Mm, and you had too much dirt on him, so he couldn't <laughs> let you go. Yeah, exactly. Makes complete exactly. sense. And I'm here to expose it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the song we just listened yeah. to, which is Love as a Weapon, which absolutely slaps. We're yeah, both big fans of that one. Um, tell us about yeah. where that came from. What was the process, the inspiration, all that jazz, literally? Well, not to, not to stay on Michael Bublé, but mm-hmm. um, I actually wrote this song the week I told Michael that I was, you know, that I was done. It was a breakup letter. It was a breakup letter, yeah, Awkward. and and I was surprised that there was some negative feelings that came up the moment I kind of finally was let go in a way. You know, I mean, he didn't let me go, but mm-hmm. I felt this, this sort of relief and, and almost anger at that he was he he made it so hard to walk away from mm-hmm. for so many years. Um, again, I was I'm very grateful to have to have done everything with him, but 
it, a part of me always wanted to do my own thing. And um, so anyway, yeah, it kind of came out of this. It's this weird love letter um, that that includes a little negativity, but nothing, but only because he was so loyal to me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, made it hard. It's like I've got to leave yeah. to go forward and do more for myself. I'm really sorry. I love you, but I've got to go. It's like very yeah, emotional. Basically. Are you having like some some like like PTSD come up no, of yeah. like your daughter getting married and moving out? This maybe, is this maybe. is getting weird. Uh, look, look, no, it's fine. It's fine. Now, now you weren't messing around, uh, Alan, when you came to getting Musos involved on this new record, including the likes of Dave Coz and Pino Palladino. Oh, now Dan is just like Pino. drooling about. Pino Palladino. Yeah. Fanning was, myself off thinking about Pino. Yeah, yeah. Was, was it a lot of fun to assemble this band? It, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of nerve-wracking, but the greater the musician, the greater the person they usually mm. are. You know, so I had worked with Pino on a, on, a, on a Michael track before, so I knew him a bit, and I was, you know, just really touched that he said yes to playing on, on my album. And um, he's, his feel is just, just different and unlike oh, anybody yeah. else's, and... It was a it was a blast playing with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now for for people listening, Pino Palladino. Every time we've talked, to, we've talked to a lot of bass players lately, yes. um, Alan, which has been weird. Uh, for me, it's been great. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there's something different about Pino, and you know it as a bass player. You sit there and you go, "That's Pino. I know it's Pino." It's so, Alan, explain <laughs> who is Natalie. Is it just a character? <laughs> is this a real person? What's the what's what's the what's the method the, the mythology behind this one? You know, it's the first song I wrote for this record. It was during the pandemic, and there was a group of friends and I that were, we're, our goal was to write one song a week and to email it every Tuesday morning, and then everybody would get some feedback. And so, you know, you don't have something to write about every week, especially in the pandemic. Mm So I I wanted to try to write a song using a a woman's name and Mm -hmm. then just see what comes of it. So it's just this exercise on trying to, you know, I wanted to add a, bring a little humor into it mm. and, into having this delusional relationship with a, with a woman named Natalie. And, and you think it's something special and maybe, maybe you, they, the two have never even met, you know, you can, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of what that's it was. That's fun. That's there's, there's very many, fun. There's many um, like movie stars in that that I'm sure like people think about. They go, oh, if we were together, we'd be yeah. walking down the Broadway and holding hands and drinking coffee, <laughs> laughing. Yeah. Doesn't know who you are. It's the, it's the <laughs> rough part, isn't it? Exist. Oh, love, love is such a vicious oh, cycle, isn't such it? Such a such an interesting thing. Um, so, Ellen, from a from a songwriting point of view, who's on your wish list uh, to collab with? If you could do with any, if you could write with anyone. Um, it's an interesting question. I feel like the, the people that I would I would say, I would probably they probably they don't need me. And um, but it'd be certainly be fun. Like I'm a huge Ben Folds fan. Oh. I know he used to live in Australia for a bit. Um, Father John Misty is another artist that I really love. Awesome. Rufus Wainwright. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the first three that kind of pop into my head. That that yeah, I think it would be an interesting process to yeah, wow. to do. That would be so. very interesting. Father John Misty would be a wild ride. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's there. All right. Well, speaking of <laughs> speaking of dreams and wishes, if you could form a supergroup of musicians, alive or dead, who yeah. is your band? So we need a, a drummer, a bass player, a guitarist, and a singer. Who's your Who's your band? Obviously, your own case. Um, well, let's go with Pino on bass. Boom. I, I, that's that's a true answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, goodness, drums. Um, I should have a good answer for this, shouldn't I? You should. Uh, St- St- actually, you know, Steve Jordan, who played with, yep. you know, John Mayer. Part of the trio. That's, 
Yeah, I, I love that. I love their connection and their their groove. And then singer, mm-hmm. uh, whoever is right underneath Michael Bublé, just to give them a little lift. <laughs> I heard this Justin Bieber kid needs needs a chance. <laughs> okay. Michael Bublé. Let's go with Michael Bublé's son. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Either son. Yeah. Yeah. In a Michael few Jr. years. In a few years. Yeah. yeah. And who's and who's playing who's playing guitar? Uh, who's playing guitar? Uh, Julian Lodge. He's a, an incredible uh, jazz guitarist Ooh. out of New York, okay. who I saw recently, and I just just I thought I should quit music. <laughs> You're like, oh my goodness, I just want to get better, but at the same time, I don't want to try. It's too good. Yeah. Oh, well, okay, I'd listen to that bit. Yeah, I would listen to that as well. So, Alan, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, and you've mentioned as well, yeah. um, you worked with Michael Bublé for nearly twenty years. So, can we can we expect a cameo from him on the upcoming album? Any any little bit of something from him? We cannot. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I think just, uh, yeah, just just this the first song. I love as a weapon that I wrote about him is is as much Michael that's that's on it. Um, but I'm sure he's influenced me in in many ways through the years. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when I when I start doing live shows, his influence will come out a lot more. And that's just you know always being always being prepared to put on a show. Mm. Yes, you're playing songs. But people taking the time to come see you, mm. make sure there's a set list, make sure you're well rehearsed, mm. you know, don't waste people's time mm. and energy. I, that, I've always respected that about him. Yeah, That's right. awesome. And look, not to make this all about Michael, because who cares about that guy? It's all about him. <laughs> but let us know, let us know one of your favorite tour or recording memories that people don't know. Obviously, you know, let's keep this family friendly. You know, we're a family friendly radio station. <laughs> We don't want to know all the dirty secrets. We'll talk about that off air. But what's yeah? What's, what's one of your favorite memories, touring or recording? Um, I, one of my favorite shows that comes to mind is we we played two nights um, facing the Sydney Opera House. Yeah, cool. So all the fans were on the steps, and that was you know the harbor in the background. It was it was incredible. My parents came out for it. It was one of the one of my favorite shows ever. Oh. Um, stories, 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 stories. I remember we played a small jazz club in Philadelphia in 2003. We had just started. I mean, we're talking 100 people in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Michael said, Michael stopped every everyone and said, um, I had a, I lost a friend today, someone that was really near and dear to me. She was in the industry. And her favorite song is Stardust. Um, I haven't told my band about this, but Alan, can we play Stardust? Oh. The great Hoagie song. And so the two of us played it. And wow. you could hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. You know, there were tears. It was very emotional and a moving moment. And so after the set, we went backstage and I and we all said, oh, Michael, I'm so sorry to hear about your friend. He said, oh, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> what a showman. Hey, don't let the uh, truth get in the way of a good story, you know? Cheeky, yeah, he, and he, in, 19, in the 19 years I was with him, he never did that again. Wow. That's almost the more impressive part. <laughs> the fact that he only just unveiled that little trick once. Um, That's hilarious. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like he just, I, we, the show needed something, all right? We needed something. I'm something, something. just trying something out. That's you know, brilliant. Oh. <laughs> well, finally, Alan, when can we expect to see you on this side of the world for a little tour? Are you heading down under? Yeah, the hope is um, late September, early October when the album's out. Brilliant. There it is, family. Not far away. You've heard it. You've heard it here first. Alan Chang coming to Perth, especially Perth. Don't worry about Sydney or Melbourne. It's boring. <laughs> 
straight to Perth. Well, Alan, thank you so much for your time this morning. We have loved the new songs, and we cannot wait for the new album, which yes. is coming out a bit later this year, which will probably coincide with the tour. Yes. Um, so we're actually, look, sometimes when we interview people, we don't know what song is coming up in the playlist. No. It just so happens it's one of your songs. So there you go. <laughs> Hey, how good was that, family? Wasn't it awesome? If you want any more of that, you can just listen in to the show live. 6 till 9am, er day.